We are back. Chase, Chase backs of Mace and me. Chase and Mace podcast. Welcome in, guys. Uh, two friends made a random school no one's ever heard of. This is it. This is the podcast. But Chase, this was a bad weekend. We're both depressed. This is, oh, I'm, I'm not very happy. I know you're not very happy. I'm more in the dumps probably than you are. But, oh, boy, that was that was rough. Yeah, that was uh that was an interesting weekend that we had. Um but you want to start off with Liverpool? I I guess before my misery really kicks in. Yeah, I don't I I don't envy when we start talking about Man U, man. That's going to be a rough time. I'm well, just going to roast them, but anyway, uh Liverpool tied Crystal Palace in a very very interesting, very interesting game and Chase, I know you watched the full game live, so why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, this is just not the Liverpool squad that anybody is used to. Um, I, I think everyone needs to sort of digest that and get ready for this season uh, now that we've watched the first two games because this is not 2017-2018 Liverpool. This is not 2018-2019 Liverpool. This is not even 2019-2020 Liverpool. Like This, uh, this is an entirely different team that apparently has behavior issues i mean even the commentators were super surprised that we had behavior issues but we'll get there um liverpool started really strong i know mace you said you didn't watch the actual game live but you watched the highlights uh liverpool did what liverpool does i mean they kept the ball they were possessing the ball pretty much the entire first half uh crystal palace did have their chances like always crystal palace is a good team um but just like last season, right where we left off, Crystal Palace plays one huge diagonal ball uh, to, I don't even know how you pronounce his name, Eze, Ease, Easy, I have no idea. Uh, the guy who assisted Zaha's goal. It was a huge, like, 35, 40-yard diagonal ball to this Easy guy or Eze. Um, and then he just played a ball right behind to Zaha. And Zaha was gone. Nathaniel Phillips kept him on and scored in the 32nd minute. I mean, not much we could have done there, but it's the exact same thing that we struggled with last season. Those quick breaks, we have 10 guys in their half. Eight of them are in the opposing side's box, and they get a quick break. I mean, it happened against Fulham. It happened all of last season. It's just going to continue this season until we get to figure it out. Um, But with that being said, I'm going to look at this starting lineup. And Mace, you tell me uh, what you think of it. I want to know your thoughts because... Some of it I really liked, and some of it I really didn't like. There's no other words for that. All right, um, but after after the defense, I want I have a few questions to ask, but go ahead. All right, Ben, so we start in goal. I mean, same thing, Allison. It's always Allison. Played really well. Uh, stopped one ball. It was uh, one of those ones that should have been called off sides but was not, but he had a ridiculous save on it. Uh, that was right before Zaha's goal, actually. But Allison played well. thought he had a good game. And then our back line goes Robertson, Virgil van Dyke. Sounds fine for now. Then we don't start Joe Gomez or Joel Matip. So Joel Matip, little little injured. Not too injured, but a little injured. Uh, we start Nathaniel Phillips. Now, Ooh. here's here's where my question is. Like, where was Konate? Am I, am I missing something? And that's another great question. Why is Konate starting? Um, we have no idea. I mean, Joel Matip had a – I thought he played good. In uh, against Fulham, he plays those balls where he like runs forward and he scored last season and had a couple assists. Um, 
I thought he played really good, well against Fulham and I guess picked up a significant enough knock during that game to not start. But exactly, we have Joe Gomez and Kanate sitting on the bench. I think it's because he wants Phillips to get some some first team uh, first team reps. Maybe it will be Phillips and Konate for the future. But I, I still don't understand why we wouldn't play Joe Gomez, who's a senior player right now. And you guys, like, look, you guys tied and did not play exceedingly well against Fulham. Like, I think Klopp would just want to go forward and get the win. Yeah, come in and just absolutely smack a team. That's what I was thinking as well. That's why this this lineup completely surprised me. Uh, so that's the first surprise with Nat Phillips at center back. Uh, Joe Gomez did come on in the, was it 63rd minute uh, when we, we subbed a bunch of people out. Um, yeah, Gomez, G- Joe Gomez came on and replaced Nat Phillips in the 63rd. Uh, and then Trent outright. Sounds normal. Then can't our defend, but that's beside the point. Yeah, literally cannot defend, still can't defend, uh, but that's fine. Our midfield, which is where I think – I don't know. This is, again, you said if you were Klopp, you probably would have went out and just tried to absolutely smash Crystal Palace, which is, I think, the right thing to do after tying against Fulham. Um, but we go Milner, Harvey Elliott, and Fabinho. A good midfield three, a very good mid- midfield three, just not what I think we need right here. I mean, Henderson, where's Henderson? He comes on also in the 63rd minute for Milner. Like I why would've... is why do we not have these young guys out there? Why do we not have literally the captain of the team out there in a game that we need to win? I was about to say I would have started Hendo over Milner as much as I love Milner and I know you do, you love him as well. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I'm nothing against him, but Mil- I feel like Milner would have been the first person on in that midfield. Exactly. Ex- I would have just switched what we did in the 63rd minute. Switch on Milner for Henderson instead of Henderson for Milner. Yeah, that would have been fine. Fine with me. Exactly. I don't understand it. I thought Henderson played really well when he came in. Uh, didn't make any sense to me. And then Harvey was... Elliott also had a great game. I mean, yeah, I thought he, I thought he played really well as well. Super well. Um, he ended up coming out in like the 70th minute uh, for Carvalho, and Carvalho also played very well. And Carvalho was actually from uh, from Fulham. Good player. I forgot about that. You are right. Yeah, he was a good player. He played well against Crystal Palace, and he played well against Fulham. But it was just too little too late. I mean, as a 19-year-old, you're putting him on in like the 71st minute with 10 men. And then our front three, we get to Diaz, Nunez, and uh, Salah. Would right, really rather seen Yota than Darwin, but that's about it. Yeah, fully agree, especially with the outcome of this game. I fully agree with that. Uh, even Bobby Firmino, I think I would have rather had Bobby this game. Uh, with that being said, let's talk about what Nunez did this game. Uh, the 57th minute mace not that i was counting not that i have looked into this situation way too much no bias Uh, whatsoever absolutely zero bias darwin nunez which let me remind the listeners of this podcast that i've said it many times uh we paid liverpool paid 80 million dollars or pounds for darwin nunez with 20 millions in add-ons wait how much is that that's a hundred (laughs) million pounds mace Paid $100 million for him. You know what he did in the 57th minute? He turned around and head-butted Crystal Palace's center back. You know what? You ruined my guess. I was going to say he scored. I wish he scored. <laughs> I wish he would have done anything. He had two plays in the beginning of the first half that if he was worth $100 million, he would have done something with. I mean, it was a ball over the top that he could have 
volleyed. It was a bit of half volley back across the six. Literally swings at it and completely misses. That's not what somebody worth $100 million does. Uh, Sadio Mane, I guarantee, would have had the ball. There was another one that it was sort of a similar situation, but it was coming from his other shoulder. And all he did, all he needed to do was take the ball down. And Mace, you and I know that's not that easy of a, of a task, like running forward, getting a ball over your shoulder and bringing it down in one touch. Like not an easy thing to do. But these guys do it pretty like consistently. And Nunez literally ball comes down and it just pings off his foot for like 30 yards. Like he he banged it over the goal when he was just trying to take a touch off of a ball forward. He's just not good enough. He's not good enough for the Premier League. He's not good enough for Liverpool. And this just shows it. I mean, he's too young and he's just stupid. Anderson was in his head the entire game. He shoved him a little bit because I'm pretty sure Darwin Nunes like backed up and stepped on his foot and Anderson shoved him, which is what it is. Anderson gets the yellow and you call it a day. No, Nunes turns around and headbutts the guy. Gets a straight red. And Mace, you just told me before this, which I didn't know, that's three games. Well, you know why he did it. Why? <laughs> why I mean, Mace go ahead try. think about think about who's playing next next game you know Liverpool play Man U and obviously Darwin did not want that awful hard task of playing against big H Harry Maguire you know I think Darwin Nunes is probably crying right now knowing that he can't go score a hat trick against Man U next week <laughs> you know what I'd be amazed if he did because dude can't finish a meal dude can't do anything I mean he won't be playing for the next three games think about that Mace it's two games. He's played two official games for this club and is now banned for three. Sounds like a Sergio Ramos play. Honestly. But he's not as loved as Sergio Ramos. Yeah, very true. You got me there. Uh, the glimmer of hope, though, from this Liverpool game is that Luis Diaz is an absolute god and he is worth 100 million pounds, truly. Because four minutes after Darwin Nunes did his absolute stupidity uh Luis Diaz takes on the entire Crystal Palace side and scores Mace would you describe it any other way I mean I would have said pass 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 about five times as he was touching the ball around those six guys but what a beautiful goal yeah absolutely beautiful and then right after that goal was scored that's when everybody came out that's when Robertson got switched out for Simikas uh, which I loved to see and I didn't know if you noticed it but uh Robertson got taken off because he was um, he, he was getting a little mouthy with Crystal Palace's right wing. I can't remember what his name was, uh, but they were getting into it a little bit. They were chest to chest a couple of times. And I think Klopp was just trying to sort of manage emotions. So Robertson comes off, Simikas goes on, which he played well. The Greek scouser, always good. Uh, like I said, Milner came off and Hendo went on. Hendo's always amazing. Phillips came off and Joe Gomez went on and he was solid. And then Elliot later on in the game coming off for Carvalho, which Carvalho then played very, very well. Um, I'm expecting for the weeks upcoming to be very, very young squads. Like, I think uh, next week's game against Man U, I would guess it would be Salah, Diaz, and Jota if he's healthy. I know he's still battling a little bit of an injury, so if he's healthy, he'll be up there. Uh, If not, it'll be Bobby for sure. Uh, In the midfield, 
I would guess Henderson goes back into the midfield because I think he just rips up Man U. Harvey Elliott is definitely going to be in there. I mean, Mace, I'm excited to see how Fred and McTominay do anything with Harvey Elliott. Uh, Fabinho is definitely going to play. And then that back line, who knows? Absolutely, who knows? I, I could definitely see Man U being the game that Robertson and Trent sort of get a break. Uh, but I could also see the game after that one being the one that we sort of look to give our uh, outside backs a break. But Robertson and Trent probably going to start. Verge most likely going to start. And I would I would guess we see Kanate against Man U, unless Joel Matip is, is healthy. I think if Joel, if Matip is fully fit, Matip plays. Because when he plays, it's like Verge plays as the lone center back with Matip and Fabinho as the two holders, and they play a box in the middle. It's very weird, but it somehow works. It's somehow really good, man. Joel Matip, I think, is a highly underrated center back. I completely agree. And I think it's, you know, we experienced this in college where when we overload the midfield, um, especially like the middle of the park, nobody knows what to do. Yeah, absolutely nobody. And that's exactly what Liverpool is trying to do with that Joel Matty. And I think Nat Phillips tried to do that a couple times, and it just didn't work out for him. You can't, I don't know, you, you can't recreate something that uh, that sort of Joel Matty made himself. Like mm-hmm. that center back, center mid position, you don't see too many other center backs playing that type of way other than like a Sergio Ramos or sometimes a Thiago Silva, but not much else elsewhere. No, I completely agree. And Liverpool's four matches after this Man U game is Bournemouth, Newcastle, Everton, and Wolves. So that's like, I would say that's at least two wins right there. But I think they're going to look to play younger squad. But my one concern, or really two concerns, is just in in terms of their depth at both the attack and in the middle. Because like the back, they do have some pretty good depth, especially with Matip, Konate, and Burge. And even Phillips, too, and Phillips being the lower end on the totem pole. But in their midfield and their attack, like, just let's say you take out Salah and Diaz. You think Jota's going to score all the goals? He'll score a lot of goals, but you can't take out both of them and expect Jota to score goals, you know? I think it's I think it's going to be hard for Liverpool to stay up later on in the year just because they lack depth or they lack scoring in the attack and they lack depth in the midfield. Cause look, I, I understand like Kate is going to come back soon. Um, but you know, Mace, you realize how little I care about Nobby Keita coming back. <laughs> that's I, I understand, but that's what I was going to say, but you know, Tiago is still going to be out for a little bit. Um, yeah. Five so, more weeks. Yeah. It's going to be rough. So do you think Klopp's going to try to strengthen this midfield and attack? It's going to be just the midfield. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of Harvey Elliott and Carvalho these next couple of weeks. I think you're going to see them a ton. I think Curtis Jones, once he's back from injury, I think he's going to be coming on a ton. Um, Yeah, just to sort of get that youth ready to go. Because like you said, I mean, our midfield and our strikers are not looking solid right now, which is crazy because a year and a half ago, everyone knew our glaring problem was defense. Like Virgil van Dyke went out, and everyone went, oh, shit, look at Liverpool. They don't have a back line anymore. And that's basically what happened. We literally had nobody to sub off Robertson. Like, Robertson could not come off the field until we got Simikas. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold could not come off the field. We had to put in, like, Joe Gomez, who was a, a center back, not a right back. Still played well. Uh, or Nico Phillips, who, I mean, more power to him. And we'll talk about Nico Phillips here in a while because – what and what a weekend he had 
Nico Williams, not Nico Phillips. Did I say Nico Phillips? Yeah, mm-hmm. Nico Williams, bro. We had Nico Williams. Obviously, he's now at Forest, and like I said, a hell of a weekend. Um, but yeah, our defense is fine now. But our midfield, like you said, Tiago goes out, and now who do we have to put in there? Like we have Henderson, Milner, Fabinho, Elliott, and Carvalho. That's two subs. That's two people that you can put in there. And Curtis Jones when he's back, but I, I would suspect that Curtis Jones is now going to be in the top three. No, I completely agree. And especially when we get to like Boxing Day, when we're playing like three or four games in a matter of like two weeks, like that's going to be hard to try to rotate guys in and out because, you know, some guys don't have the experience. Some guys are not as good as others. Like, I don't know. You, it could be Carvalho, Fabinho, and Harvey Elliott, which is not that solid. Just Fabinho back there. Yeah, you really don't want two 19-year-olds playing in your midfield at this level. Mm, unless you're Sir Alex Ferguson as your manager. I guess. I mean, I I guarantee that sooner or later this year we see Carvalho and Elliott in the midfield together. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm hoping it's against like a lower-tiered team like Everton. I would guess <laughs> – I like that one. Uh, I would guess that it comes against Bournemouth. That next game after Man U, that Bournemouth game, I, I would expect a ton of super, super young kids to be playing. Yeah, I could see that as well. I could see that as well. But, yeah, Liverpool, it'll be interesting to see how their squad depth shapes out because, you know, we still have two weeks left in the transfer window, so maybe Klopp could try, try to strengthen their squad more. I would definitely think that we're going to get an attacking midfielder before the end of this transfer window. Who do you think we'll is going to be? Um, I have no idea. Uh, I really I have no clue. We, we've been connected to a couple people, but really not that many. Uh, so I'm not too sure. But we were talking about one base, not an attacking midfielder, but an attacking player in general that is on the free market. And that is uh, Edison Cavani, man. How, how crazy would that be if he went to Liverpool? You know, I think that would solve a lot of their problems. I'm being completely honest here. I mean, he's a goal scorer. He's a natural goal scorer. He's a goal scorer. He has great, fantastic off-ball movement, and he's not going to be the star. He's like thirty-five now. He's not. He's not going to be up there. You know, and we don't need him. anybody to be, to be the star. We just need a guy to keep the ball, which like Bobby Firmino doesn't do anymore. Bobby loses the ball way too often for how old he is. Uh, Cavani, I don't think he does. I think he keeps the ball pretty well. He does. Um, he's, and he, he scores has- goals. He has great passing vision, too, which I think is extremely underrated for a striker. Um, I think he would fit perfectly well in that 4-3-3 with, like, a false, more false nine look, which is what Liverpool have done, you know, since Klopp has been there. And even when he was at United, he was always getting involved. Rashford and Mason Greenwood. So imagine him with Diaz and Salah there, too. <laughs> okay, I just want you to realize the names that you said. He had Rashford and who did you say? Mason Greenwood. Yeah, Mason Greenwood, like two good players, two very good players. Rashford, very good. Greenwood, we don't speak of him anymore. Um, but replacing them with Luis Diaz, who, in my opinion, is one of the best players in the Prem right now. Uh, and then Mohamed Salah, which is one of the best players in the Prem. But let's not forget, when Cavani was with Rashford, that was when Rashford was at his freaking peak, and he was one of the best wingers in the Premier League. True, true. And, I mean, exactly. And Cavani thrived in that position and you just tossed two really good wingers next to him man like that'd be so good it's not gonna happen but we could i think i think it i think it would be something for liverpool to look into klopp i know you're listening you always do i mean 
Yeah, Jurgen, my boy, listen here. We need somebody to score goals, man. Darwin Nunez, isn't it? Let's just bring Mario Balotelli back. <laughs> we'll call it a day. Oh, my gosh. What's next? Stevie G coming back from midfield? I wouldn't even be angry. <laughs> you guys need an attacking midfielder, dude. Attacking. You're telling me if Paul Scholes came back, you'd be like, nah, I don't want you. G, get out of here, you old fart. <laughs> I mean, I would take Paul Scholes in a minute. I don't even care <laughs> if that guy is 65. <laughs> Dude, I would take any one of the old. I'd, I'd take Michael Carrick at this point, dude. Jeez. <laughs> did not say Michael Carrick, man. <laughs> dude, Michael Carrick was extremely underrated as a menu player. Extremely underrated. He like he always played and always played well. He always had like eighty five percent or better passing accuracy. He was ridiculous. I think people take that for that stat for granted a lot. And Mace, that's a perfect transition into the Man U and Brentford game because oh. you guys had terrible possession. <laughs> I don't even like. Okay, so before before the Man U slander sets in, I, I want to set the record straight. Brentford, it's not because Man U were bad that you won. Brentford, you were magnificent for that first half. Um, Thomas Frank. You set up that team absolutely perfect. You knew exactly what men you were going to do, especially during that water break when he bought out the freaking clipboard and he knew exactly where all their tactics were going. Uh, the way the defense was set up with Ben Mee, uh, Janssen, and Henry, Hickey, Rorslev. Uh, then you got going the midfield, Christian Nor- Norgard, who is just absolutely fantastic. Jensen was also a great holding player. Josh De Silva was laughing the entire game because he was playing so well. And just, oh, Ivan, Tony, where where do you get off? Like, you're so freaking good. Why is Ivan Tony still at Brentford? Like, that's my thing is I understand he loves it there. And he is he's literally a, like, supermodel of Brentford soccer at this point. But he's just so good. I mean, <laughs> I think my favorite goal this season so far, and this is taking out. I mean, there's there's already been some really nice goals. Uh that Ivan Tony assist to Mbuma. Yeah. Oh my goodness, man. Like that was full field. It was full field to Ivan Tony and then a full field assist. And it was just gorgeous. It was beautiful. That was their third, third goal, right? Yeah. They're, they're, those are fourth. It was their last goal. That was their last goal. Yeah. Ben me scored the third with that header over a five foot six. Oh, yeah. He, and he was falling backwards. And it he was, was still taller than your center back ridiculous but no dude i completely agree with you that goal was not only just like perfect for ivan tony it was like the perfect just brentford goal they broke out so clean um i don't know why man you pushed so 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 high up the field That's luke shaw luke shaw got beat on the backside by Mbumo. uh but brentford absolutely clobbered man you i've never seen brentford play that good um and i'm not saying that just because man you played bad i'm that's i'm Regardless of the menu performance, I think Brentford in that first half could have at least beat Man City. Yeah, like, we've been talking, man. I really think that Brentford team in that first half could have beat anybody. It you was could, unbelievable. Any team, and they would have just smashed them. They played it was, so well. It was so crazy. So, Thomas Frank, well done to you. Well done. I know you're listening, too. You always do. He was freaky looking, man. Dude, <laughs> he was. That's what Kevin and I were talking about. He was freaky looking. <laughs> Dude, it doesn't matter how you look, as long as you coach good. Which that's true. He he was 
he was staring at the field and straight into the camera. He must have been looking directly at Man U's tactics because he knew exactly what Ted Hogg was going to do. It was weird. You were wrong. Like your your starters were not exactly who he expected, but also your front three should have been able to do something, Mace. So I have so I have the starting lineup right here. So for those who didn't watch the game, you know, first of all, you're lazy. Second of all, um, it was De Gea and Gold, Diego Dallo to right back, Big H, uh, uh, Lissandro Martinez together in the center of the park, which, ugh. Luke Shaw, he started at left back. He didn't play that great. And then it was Fred, Erickson, and Bruno in the midfield together, which hurts me to my core. Um, I See, it can hurt, and that's a bad midfield, but I don't think anything hurts worse than the night that Christian Erickson had. That, was... that man underwent the extreme, the most extreme embarrassment I think I've ever seen on a football field. No, I, I completely agree. Going back to your old club, going back to the team that, that gave you a chance again after, you know, you became Tony Stark and got that metal piece in your chest. Yep. <laughs> Literally the team that's giving you your break back into professional soccer. Which, first of all, hats off to Brentford. We said this all last year, but hats off to Brentford. We love you guys. Seriously, we actually love this team. <laughs> I love it, man. I love Brentford. But no, basically, and especially on that second goal, like Erickson just got kicked off the park. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the fans were yelling at him and they were screaming at him. And he got taken off in like the 65th, 70th minute, something like that. And the fans were ruthless. They were absolutely ruthless. And the commentators weren't even much better. When he was coming off, <laughs> the commentator was literally like, yeah, and this is the biggest embarrassment that you'll see for any football player ever. Like coming back to Brentford and losing four nothing, I was like, man, now I feel bad for him. Like, holy. Yeah, but the way the way he played just highlighted how dysfunctional Manchester United were today. Or not today, um, Sunday, excuse me. He didn't look like he knew what he was doing. I don't think he's looked like he has known what he's been doing since he showed us Man U. You know, he didn't have a big preseason. So, and I know I said this to you before, but I think, you know, Ten Hag was trying something with Erickson in the middle, but clearly, like, the last two games, it just has not worked. So, I think it's actually time to switch up to my boy, my son. And, Donnie, I know you're listening. Donnie. We want you to play. We want you to play so bad. I've written letters. I've written emails. I'll, I'll try to make phone calls tomorrow. I need Donnie then to be to play. Yeah, Danny, we're pushing. Donnie, we're pushing for you, man. We're really pushing. Mace, maybe you should be the guy to to buy into the Man U minority stake. I saw the owners were uh, were willing to give up a minority part in the club. I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Sounds but great. If, if I if I can get that minority stake, Donnie, you're my first call. <laughs> Says my two bucks, Donnie Van to be start. <laughs> How much? How much is the man you stock right now? Let's see. How much is that? But with that, with before we get into like the man United stock, let's just first of all, I need, I need a lot of change to happen, and I I know like we're gonna. I have some big plans for that menu versus Liverpool game. I know I showed my lineup to you before the game, Chase, but I'm I'm ready for it. It's interesting, man. I'm ready for it. Right now, the Man United stock is at thirteen eighty-seven uh, a, a share. Interesting. So I could, I could put in some money there. There you go. Minority owner 
get Donnie on the field, and then they'll make you majority owner because he'll score 50,000 goals. Dude, hey, if he knows what after he listens to this podcast and he knows, like, I'm cheering for him, I want him there, he's going to play so well against Liverpool, we might even get a goal. All right, let's not go that far. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to how bad this Man U team was. Like, CR7 got absolutely obliterated down the stretch. Like, Ben May just absolutely clapped his cheeks. It wasn't even, like, fair. I do give uh, Ronaldo props, though, because they went down 2 nothing, and he was still trying to get your team to go. Like, he, w- he was looking at the crowd. He's like, hey, let's go. He's looking at his team. He was like, all right, this is what you guys need to do better. This is what you guys need to start doing. Like, he was giving out instructions like a leader, uh, or, el- or else he looked like a leader. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it was 4 nothing. So, it didn't really work out. Yeah, but I think it also stems from uh, t- a few people. I think it was from, like, the captain first and foremost. Um, Harry Maguire had just awful body language the entire game. I think De Gea also had bad body language that game as well, so that didn't help. I mean, the first goal that he let in, it's hard to have good body language after that. I know, I know, and I always always give De Gea credit for trying to, like, get his team back in it, but it was just – it just wasn't his day. No, not at all. But, I mean, Ten Hag also said that he could have taken off 10 players at halftime. I wonder who that 11th player that would have stayed on was. Yeah, I wonder who – who he would have left on because I don't think it would have been De Gea or maybe it was. They did have Tom Heaton on the bench. <laughs> there you go, man. That's a rough one. But no, he I made... would way rather have Dean Henderson. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I'd said it last, uh, last year that I love Dean Henderson. I would love to see him play in man you more, but now right now he's on loan at forest. We'll talk about say what later. a weekend he had. We'll talk about him later with the weekend he had, but. You, uh, Ten Hag said he could have taken off ten players at halftime. He took off three, and that was Fred, Luke Shaw, and Lissandra Martinez, who are the first three players that I think are going to be benched this week against Liverpool. Um, they just played absolutely horrible. I don't know what Fred's doing in the middle anymore. I think he's been there for what four years now. It's time. It's time to go. It's time. And it's been four years in a row where people are saying that he needs to leave the midfield. So it's. Uh, I think it's long overdue. I just. We talk so much about how bad Fred and McTominay are together, but yet we always start them in the middle together. It just it baffles me. Every single week, man. No matter what people on Twitter say, no matter what people anywhere say, it is week in and week out that Fred and McTominay start in the center, and they're just not good together. The last solid midfielder that Manchester United have had, or I would say two, it was Nemanja Matic and Ander Herrera when they played together for like the 15, 16, 16, 17 seasons because they were absolutely lights out. They fit perfectly together. Ander Herrera just ran around everywhere. And Matic just always just stayed put right in the middle, was that great defensive presence. Both Fred and McTominay are not holding midfielders. They're both more so attacking midfielders. Like Fred, like, yeah, he played pretty well at the end of last season, but it was just it, he, he doesn't know his body position. He doesn't know any tactical position when he's playing that holding midfielder role, especially when he's by himself. Yeah. Just hasn't worked out for you guys. Yeah, so I think, you know, first of all, that not signing Calvin Phillips, that was a huge mistake. Huge mistake. Yeah, that's a big miss for you guys. I mean, that's actually a really, really big miss. Yep, I completely agree. And now we're looking to sign Adrian Rabiot, who is just as lazy as Paul Pogba with half the ability. Like, where is he going to play? He's not going to play in the mid- that midfield. No. Like, when is it? When is it going to be time to move on? And now, 
I, I just got word that man, you are now interested in Casemiro who just injured his ribs for five weeks because he was laughing at that so hard. <laughs> Dang. Can you imagine Casemiro at man, you first of all, it would be a great signing because man, you need that holding midfielder. Like, I don't know. I think he'd be a great addition, but he does not going to want to come here. Why would he, why would he want to relieve Real Madrid? So I'm seeing a $60 million offer would change their mind on uh, would change Real Madrid's mind on Casemiro. I think it'd be smart for them uh, primarily because um oh, I lost my train of thought, but um oh, cuz he's getting old, so like 60 million now from a club that's, you know, dying, that's not too bad. Yeah, but you're just going to keep putting band-aids on Mace. Like that at this point you just keep buying old players to say that they'll fit this position for now. This position will get filled for now. Like, I feel like your team just needs a revamp. You just need a couple really, really bad years. Honestly, like one or two just really not good years uh, to just restart. Basically how Arsenal did it. I mean, they've had a couple years where they just were really bad. And now look at them. I mean, they built their squad. They have a lot of young guys. Uh, and they're going to be a force this year. Like They're going to be a really good team this year, and I think that's exactly what Man U needs to do is sort of just say, all right, our time is sort of over. We have to revamp and and redo and sort of go at it again. Um, I just think that your owners refuse to believe the fact that you guys are sort of washed up at this point. And that's not an issue. Like Every team goes through that. Liverpool went through the exact same thing in like the 2014 uh, 2015, all the way like sort of into 2016, until Klopp came basically, um, where we were in a really bad area, and then Klopp and FSG came in and got a bunch of young guys, and now look at our team. We have a solid team. I think Manu just needs to do that same thing, and your owners are just refusing to believe that Manu is washed up. No, I completely agree. And Michael Knighton, who was the old sporting director, if you want to give him that role at Manchester United. So he's been there before. He knows the club inside and out. And um, I think that's why, you know, Michael Knighton wants to um, have this hostile takeover bid from the Glazers. But I think with the Glazers, it's not just, you know, the owners. It's a lot of the the people they have in that front office, like they're scouting. It, they, their player development, like right now, it's it's not great. Like we haven't really seen that much improvement really since Sir Alex Ferguson left. Louis Van Hall did bring in a lot of young guys forward, like Anthony Martial, who's still here. Marcus Rashford, he started. Um, so there are some some goods there. And I think, but it's just there were a few players that they got rid of, and it's like, why would you get rid of them? I think Ander Herrera was one. Another one was Patty McNair, who was a great center back when he was young. He played like. It was weird when Louis Van Hall was here. Man, you played a five back, and it was Michael Carrick as that sweeper at the five, and then it was Patty McNair and Eric Bailly. I, I promise you, this is true. You don't need to fact check. I promise you. And they won like eight games in a row with that lineup. Dang, it was it was really weird, but it it, it worked. And Patty McNair was this really good player, and then they sold him off, and they they think they bought you know some some schmuck for 80 million pounds. I'm not sure what his name is. Um, <laughs> some bloke from Leicester. I still don't understand that move. But I again, it, I think it has a lot to do with scouting and just recruitment in general.
Man U, because they're not in Champions League right now, they're not going to get all the best players. Like, look, like Frankie de Jong doesn't want to come. Well, I think that's what I'm saying, man. Is like you, at some point, your entire organization has to come to the realization that you're past the fix-it stage. There is a stage where getting those players, like when you guys got Ibra or whenever, honestly, when you guys right now have CR7, like just these blaring issues that you guys keep coming up with and keep having and just tossing a Band-Aid of some 33, 32-year-old from that used to be really, really good, and then you just toss them into your team as that Band-Aid. Lukaku was one of them. Ibra was one of them. Uh, who else am I trying to think of? Uh, Sanchez was one of them. That was just like, a, that was just one where we didn't want City to get him. It was a weird. That was a weird one. Alexis Sanchez was the stupidest thing to, that Manu has ever done in my eyes. Well, you know, okay. So you mentioned you mentioned Zlatan, and he was there for a season and a half. We signed him for free, which that was a great sign. I mean, fantastic that, to sign him for free, but I just feel like we all knew that Ibra wasn't going to do well at Manu. He did do well though. He won them Europa League. He was their top he scorer. He did okay, man. He did okay. Like I don't want to I don't want to overhype him just because he didn't stay there lot, that long and he that wasn't I don't know. When I think of Zlatan, I think of Zlatan at Inter, I think of Zlatan even at LA Galaxy like just scoring bangers, you know. No, no. He, yeah, he, he just wasn't that great at Man U. I didn't think he was good enough at Man U. You know, I think they brought Zlatan in to teach the younger players, confidence, specifically Marcus Rashford. I wouldn't even doubt that. Marcus Rashford, uh, who else? Like Anthony Martial was probably around there. He was. He was there. So at one point in time, they had a front three of Zlatan, Martial, and Rashford. And then even Mkhitaryan came on as a center attacking mid. So that was... Forgot about Mkhitaryan, yeah. He was, he was a good player for a little while. But then he had a falling out with Jose Mourinho, which, you know, who doesn't? Um, I would just say, what player that is playing professional soccer right now does not have a, a falling out with Jose Mourinho? <laughs> I think every single player that is playing professional soccer has a bad experience with that guy. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. And I think, yeah, that's why they brought in um, Zlatan, is for confidence to teach to teach confidence to Rashford, Martial. And then specifically, they brought on Cavani, with kind of the same thing with Mason Greenwood, because I think they wanted they wanted him at the time to be the club's next striker. So he, with Cavani coming in, he would teach him like, "Hey, this is how you are supposed to move off the ball. This is how you're supposed to get your teammates involved in the play. This is how you pass to get your set your teammate up for goal. Because the more that they get free, you're going to get free at two on the back end of it. So that's why that's why I think they brought in those two guys for free." Both great strikers in their own right, but I think they brought in as kind of like that mentorship road, road like that um that Mitch Trubisky to Kenny Pickett, if you will. <laughs> man, what a great uh, analogy for that one! Man. <laughs> what an absolutely beautiful analogy. Let's go, Lurs, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess that makes sense, and that that would also make sense why they let Cavani off on a free transfer, just because they they don't really care about him anymore. I mean, they probably got what they wanted out of him. Um, and no, they did, and he was he was a great player for them. But I, I wish he stayed around longer, especially with Manu's you know striker um, shortage right now. Hey, Liverpool has a striker shortage as well. Toss him over to to my way, man. I'll no way, you're sitting here. 
He's staying in the he's, real Reds. He's definitely not. <laughs> Neither is Ronaldo, man. But before oh. we get too far off the like menu stuff, where do you think he's going to end up? Do you think he's going to stay? Do you think he has somewhere planned? Um, we were talking about it a little bit before. He's coming out and saying, "Hey, I have an interview that I'm going to release whenever, like when all this is over. He's going to talk about what actually happened." Um, and you brought up a great point. Why doesn't he just talk about it now? Uh, whatever. Uh, but what do you what do you think's happening with him, man? I know you want him gone. You know, he's just been a complete plague in the locker room ever since he came in during the Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer era. I think they really messed up Ollie's season because um, he, he probably had like a full game plan with like, all right, this is how we're going to get everyone together, everyone to play well. Because Ollie got him to second place and they were playing actually really good soccer. And they had one of like the longest away unbeaten streaks in a long, long time. I think that Man U should have kept with Ole. I think all Man U fans think that at this point. Uh, but I think you need consistency with managing. Like, since Sir Alex, you literally have not had a consistent manager for, like, over five years. And I think you need Ole to – or I think you needed Ole instead of whenever you guys started dipping just a little bit, you said, all right, screw this guy, get him out of here. And it has not been pretty since then. It was it was very strange that, you know, the Ollie thing happened with him being fired because like three months, four months prior, they signed him to like a two year extension when Pochettino was available to get. Which I first of all about that. We I didn't thought him, Poch was going there. I didn't first of all I did I never liked Pochettino as the appointment, so I was kinda happy that they didn't sign him. Mm. But it was just it was interesting because they didn't need to. No one was going to try to take Ollie's spot. Ollie was not going to leave to go anywhere else. No. I mean, and I liked, him, have. I liked him as a manager. What he lacked in the tactical awareness side of things, he made up for in getting players to play well. Like, he got Fred and McTominay to play decent together in center midfield. Like, come on. <laughs> That's the thing. I think he was just a really good guy and knew how to bring his team together. I thought Man U looked like they were having fun playing soccer when Ole was the manager. I have not seen that since. No, I completely agree. And it was very interesting. You could see in the bigger games, like versus the cities and versus the Liverpools, aside from like, you know, the 5-0 thrashing, Ole always got his team up to the task. Oh, definitely. You guys were a force there for a while. Anytime any big team played Man U, it was, I mean, it was a rivalry game. In the past two years, we've lost that because come to big games. And, I mean, let's look at the scoreline from Liverpool and Man U last season. It was 9 nothing in aggregate. Like, that's yeah. not a team that shows up and plays in big games. No, absolutely not. And I think that's like the one except it was weird because I think it had a lot to do with Ronaldo coming in. So with that being said, like I I would have loved if if Ronaldo came back and said, Look, I'm old. I know I can't run as hard. I know I can't run as far. I know I can't run as fast, but I'm here to score goals and to help my team win. I feel like that would have been a different attitude than what he has right now, which is like everyone look at me. I'm going to take us there, which is completely different. I yeah. It, I fully agree. I think it's definitely an attitude problem at this point. I, I, I agree. And with that being said, I think, man, you would be, be better off if they were to just terminate his contract and let him go somewhere else. 
because take I would just take the bath if I was Man U. I mean, they're already losing. He's on like 350k a week, which is absolutely absurd for a 38 year old striker. That's so much. So much. I know. So I, I and the only club I think that is going to take him right now is Atletico Madrid. Their fans don't want him though. Their fans don't want him, but Simeone. Yeah, which is crazy because think about this, Mace. I just want you to like put yourself in his shoes. You're Diego Simeone. You manage Atletico Madrid, a, a great team, a fantastic team, and you have this signature celebration that you do whenever you win a, a huge game. Uh, Ronaldo scores a hat trick against your team and does that celebration to your fans. How do you sign that guy? How do you sign him with a good conscience and say, yeah, I want that guy that embarrassed me a couple of years ago? You say, I'm happy to have him on my team. Instead of doing it to me, he's going to do it to somebody else. I guess, man. I just don't I don't think I can do that. Somebody completely embarrasses my entire career like that. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure it was in Champions League as well. Like, I don't think that was just a small game. Or it was just La Liga. I don't remember what it is. Uh, no, because he was playing for Juventus when he did it, so it had to be Champions League. Uh, that's just crazy. I just wouldn't do that. There's no way. You could not – you're uh, you're dropping your pride there at some point, and I don't think I could drop my pride enough to, to say, all right, I want to sign this guy that absolutely ruined my day. Okay, but do you think he would be a good signing for them if he were to leave and go there? Yes, I watched a little bit of the Atletico game yesterday, and Jao Felix uh, played great. I mean, he played amazing. And the entire Atletico team just played very quick and fast-break soccer, and that's exactly what Ronaldo wants. So I think he would fit in perfectly. And the attitude thing that we're talking about, man, does Ronaldo just fit perfectly into the Atletico attitude. Yep, so I think I think that's what's going to happen. I, I, I don't see him going anywhere else aside from Atletico Madrid. Uh, people were talking about Chelsea at the year, beginning of the season. I don't see that as an opportunity anymore, uh, but I could – I definitely did see him going to Chelsea when that was, like, more in the in the talks. I think more in the talks, I would agree with you. And I also saw Bayern. I would love the, Bayern. Absolutely the, love Bayern. Because they have so many wingers now, so they could just – you know, imagine Ronaldo feeding off of Mane, Napri, and Sané. Like, come on. It's not even fair. It's not even fair. Like, and on top of that, Musiala and Thomas Muller. Like, come on. Can you just imagine Thomas Muller and Ronaldo playing together? I mean, Muller has some, like, he's always in contention for the most assists every single year because mm-hmm. he just plays on a great team. And could you imagine him with Ronaldo? Like, that'd be stupid. That would be stupid. But, yeah, I agree. Him going to Chelsea, when they first talked about it, I thought, wow, that could really work. Especially since Lukaku season with fifteen goals. Now is it Inter and scoring? I think he scored in. He's had uh, three goals in two games, maybe, or maybe just two goals in two games. He just doesn't like the Premier League. He wants to play against Farmers. He does want to play against Farmers, and I'm cool with it. I like watching Lukaku succeed in Inter Milan more than I like watching Lukaku succeed over here. Yeah, because that's just because you're a Liverpool fan. Don't want him to see, succeed anywhere else. Yeah, probably. Wouldn't even doubt it. <laughs> I mean, he did go to Man U, and I don't really want to see him succeed there. And then he went to Chelsea, which I didn't really want to succeed, see him succeed there either. So, 
but we did want to see him to succeed at Everton and West Brom. Did want to see him succeed there, and he did. And that's all that matters. That does all that matters. But anyway, going back to Chelsea specifically, uh, let's talk about this wild game in terms of Spurs versus Chelsea with uh, Antonio Conte and Thomas Tuchel getting red cards at the end of the game. What a crazy game, man. Uh, Chelsea scored two pretty average uh, goals. Yeah, I mean, they were they, they had some they, they did have some good moments. Like Brees uh, James had a fantastic ball to Kai Havertz that he just whiffed on. Um, yeah, but yeah, their goals were basically walking goals. Um, I thought Cooley Bollies was absolutely fantastic. It was average. <laughs> for a no, center back what, what an absolute banger though man we were just talking about that like center backs when they decide to get a hold of a ball they get a hold of the ball man and there's that's exactly one, what cola Bali did there's one worldly every year i doubt that'll be the worldly of this year but it's a worldly it's yeah it's a hell of a goal from a center back i mean that's good from chelsea but they got gypped i mean i don't like chelsea i really really don't like thomas tuchel um my hate for him or despise for him has been growing since last season. So it's a, it's pretty large right now. And I really don't like him, but he definitely got screwed this game. I mean, Cucurella, uh got his hair absolutely yanked in the box. Yeah. That should and, not have been a goal. Yeah. Like the, the call should have just stopped right there. Like it was an easy call, um, but it wasn't. And it was another one. It was sort of like the same thing. It was further up the field. They were looking for a foul. Um, I think it was either Mason Mount or I don't remember. Um, Kai that had the ball. Yeah. Or I think it was Havertz, honestly. Got fouled and then Spurs came down and scored. Um, so both of them under some big scrutiny. But I want your thoughts, Mace, on what do you think of this whole new rule? Because it's very noticeable in pretty much every game that you watch nowadays. Um, the refs are letting go of a lot of contact. So they're trying to get away from not playing as much because players are falling on the ground. They're, they're trying to not have as many stoppages uh, to avoid having to go to that 60-minute, like, um, well, what did they call that? Like, the play clock, I guess. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the time of play or possession, the time that the ball's been in play is usually around, like, 45 to 50 minutes when in every other league it's been around 60 to 65. Yeah. So to try and combat that, they're trying to not call as many fouls basically and and let the game go on. And by doing this, they've let some crazy stuff slide, man. And then completely flip the switch and give red cards for, for very small things. Um, Not saying, (laughs) I was going to say not saying that Nunez's head card wasn't, deserved uh but there's some i mean cucurello's hair pulling that's a red oh no if you looked at that that's a red card and they didn't even call a foul that is not a yellow and a foul coming out from that box but no i completely agree with you that you know with these calls they're letting a lot of stuff go and i think it's because you know one because of the time of possession thing but two we have var so we could go back for potentially other things but it's weird the way VAR is being used as, as it was last season was strictly for leader play going to a goal and red card possibilities and penalties those yeah. were like the three main points of emphasis that VAR was used for 
But now that they're allowing play to go on more, I think that needs to change again. It needs to evolve or, or not even like evolve, but devolve into normal fouls then at that point. Because that's, that's ridiculous that Anthony Taylor missed those two. I fully agree. I mean, Anthony Taylor's a bad referee to start with. Um, I mean, <laughs> that sounds very mean, but it, it is basically true. Uh, so we're not super surprised that he made these terrible calls, but he shouldn't be allowed to. I mean, at that point, you should not be allowed to to ref anymore or to be able to to go back and say, oh, yeah, that hair pulling should be a red card. Like you should have just he should have been able to see that in real time and go, that's a red get off the field or that's a foul. At least blow your whistle and say that's a foul. And it was right in front of him, too. It was literally right in front. of He him. had the perfect position for it. Crazy. So but we'll now see how uh, that goes. I'm interested too. Uh, Chelsea FC have, and their fans have signed a petition now to not let Anthony Taylor referee any more Chelsea games for the rest of the year. So we'll see what that goes. Ten thousand signatures before the end of the day. That's crazy. Before the end of the day of Chelsea's game, it had ten thousand signatures. That's unbelievable. I mean, I'm going to go and sign it. I would too. Honestly, why not? Why not? I think we only have one other game that we really wanted to talk about before getting into our picks, right? That's Forrest and West Ham. Yes, sir. God, I mean, the luckiest goal you've ever seen. <laughs> Literally the absolute luckiest goal you'll ever see. Uh, who was it? Lingardinho went for a strike at like the top of the 18, completely muffed it. Like, missed the goal by if the ball was still going straight, he would have missed the goal by like 15 yards. But <laughs> it bounces off the defender, bounces off. Uh, I don't even remember who scored for Forrest. Uh, what is it? Owania? Owan- I don't even know how to say his name, bro. I just absolutely <laughs> butchered it. And I feel terrible for him. Uh, but it bounced off the Forest player, bounced back off the defender, and then went off the Forest player's knee and went past uh, Fabianski. That was one of the greatest passes from Lingard I've ever seen. It was amazing. Lingardino, <laughs> like I'm saying, man. Uh, but West Ham was just bad. I mean, Forrest ended up winning one nothing, and it was awesome. I mean, I loved every second of that game. Dean had uh, fantastic. Lights out. Absolutely lights out. But West Ham had every opportunity to tie it or win, and they didn't. Like Declan Rice with his PK, takes PK, and Dean Henderson literally just fell to his right-hand side and saved it. Wasn't even close. Um, and then Antonio, I don't even think, got a shot on net. He didn't even look at the net. Uh, Jared Bowen probably had a cross in or two, and that's about it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, West Ham just looks bad this year. I don't know wh- what it is. We'll have to get Jakey B on here, and maybe he can break it down for us. But I really don't know what's up with them. They, they've been bad, and this game was no exception. West Ham could have won, and that's what Declan Rice said after the game. They, he said we had a bunch of chances. We just didn't win. Um, but Forrest really took this one, and Nico Williams – played out of his mind if I was going to pick a man of the match for this game it would be Nico Williams and that's not just because of my Liverpool bias dude he played exceptionally well especially he played in the he played at that wing back position right yeah right back which I mean he was everywhere he was on that left side like for half the game too like he was was just so good he was unreal him and Mangala were both fantastic 
in that midfield. And it was just, it was really cool to watch, but it's just weird. You know, West Ham played against Man City first week, which is like, you know, it's Man City. Like, come on. Yeah, that's gonna... tough. Like, that's hard. But they're just, they're, they're slacking back so much. Like, and they're sitting. They're sitting so far back. Like, Declan Rice is shaking hands with Fabianski like six times a game. There's no reason that your best midfielder is that deep. Like, there's so many, there's so much space for Forrest to just, like, stay up on you, pin you in. Like, you're running a 4-3-3. They got five guys in the midfield. So, you know, they're going to win that midfield battle. They got Lingardino up top with, um, who else was it? Awonimi? I, I don't know. Yeah, Brennan, that, that guy. He's the one that scored. I feel bad, buddy. If you're watching, we're sorry we can't pronounce your name. Give us a call. We'll, we'll pronounce yeah, it right next time, I promise. For real, for real, man. Um, but yeah, they had they like forces strikers like they move the ball well together. They have great off ball movement, so there's no reason why they can't get in. And you know, Kurt Zuma, Aaron Cresswell, Ben Johnson, um, Kufal, like you guys just did not play well today. Yeah, and Zuma, I thought Kurt Zuma still played okay, uh, just not good enough to cover for the entire rest of West Ham. It just wasn't. It just wasn't good enough from him. We love to see Forrest win. We love to see the boys in red move on. Yes, we do. I think we're going to be that's going to be our underdog pick for the entire year this year. Probably them and Brentford. <laughs> honestly, them, Brentford, honestly, Fulham, too. I get Burnley in there, and I, I would have the Premier League of my life right there. <laughs> I would love it. Oh, man. Uh, do you know who um, Forrest play next? I do not, but I'm definitely going to look it up real quick. I got, I got it right here. I got it right here. Hold on. Forest play Everton. Oh, but that's a winnable game. That's a huge winnable game. And then they go to Spurs. Oof. Yikes. Spurs are a hard one, uh, but Everton is very much winnable. Absolutely. I'm excited to watch that game. Seriously, let's go. All right, dude. Is it time to get into our picks of the week? Yeah, you want to run through the, the scores of the other games real quick, though? Just sort of list them out, and then we'll we'll go into our guesses for next week. Yes, sir. So, um, you know, it talks about United, Liverpool, Forest, and Chelsea. Uh, Villa beat uh, Everton 2-1, to one, which was a very surprising game because I thought Villa would win by more against a bottom-tiered team. Yeah, goodbye, um, Frank Lampard. Yep, he's he's gone. Jakey if B, they lose to Forest, he's gone. Absolutely. There's no way. He does not have this locker room at all. No, not even a little bit. Uh, Man City beat Bournemouth uh, slimly by 4-0. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne had an absolute banger. Yes, he did. Uh, Southampton tied leads two to two in what was a very entertaining game. Yeah, good game. I liked it. Very back and forth. Um, Wolves tied Fulham zero zero. That was a tight contest. Mitrovic took on nine Wolves players at one time. It was amazing to watch. Dude, my, like, my... in a fist fight. I, I'm saying that took on as in like one v one. No, he he tried to fist fight the entire Wolves team. It was great. I wanted to see it. Um, Arsenal um, let up a little bit against Leicester. Still won for that game 4-2. to two. Yeah, I mean, they were up 3 nothing at one point and sort of let it go, sort of let Leicester come back, uh, but then put it away. I, it was – Leicester honestly didn't have a chance. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. And uh, Brighton tied Newcastle in a 0-0 contest, which is also very tight. Boring. Yeah, a little bit, but anyway, that's beside the point. We got some good games this week. Um, three in particular to me really stand out. That is United versus Liverpool, obviously. Um, even though it's going to be like the least hyped up game for 
don't know how many years now. Yeah, seriously. This is like usually a huge rivalry game, and everyone's looking at this game as it doesn't even matter because both mm-hmm. teams sort of suck right now. Yep, completely agree. Um, the two other games I want to really like focus on, though, is Everton versus Forest because that's we already talked about that. Forest can easily win, but I, I still think it's going to be a really good game. It definitely should be a really fun and probably tight match. And that was at – let's see. Where is that? Is that at Forest or is that at Everton? Uh, I think it's – Everton. It's at Goodison Park. Yeah, yes, that's going to be loud and it's going to be fun. I mean, that's going to be a good game. Good game. 10 o'clock Everton on Saturday. Everton fans are going to think that they can win that game. So you know they're going to come out bumping. We'll see if Frank Lampard can actually get his guys up to the task this time. You know he won't. Let's go Forest. <laughs> Completely agree with you. But the last game, which is one year removed from, you know, probably one of the worst games, uh, Fulham versus Brentford. I mean, both teams that are fun to watch. I mean, Brentford played really well, obviously, last last week. Uh, and Fulham have just been... They're just a steamboat, basically. That's that's how I picture them. Like a steamboat, a steam train. They just move. Like it, it's hard working and it's just all out 110% for 90 minutes. And I love that. Me as well. Like they're like you said, Mitrovic is a baller just because he was trying to take on the entire team. Um, I mean, and he scored two against Liverpool. He Not did many score people two do that. Not many people can do that, but it's they they're they're actually really fun to watch. They do work really well, really hard together, and they're going to be a force this year. I think. I think they're going to survive, and I think they're going to thrive next year, especially when they get the money too. Um, and Brentford back there. What was that? Let's get Clint Dempsey back there. <laughs> he comes out of retirement. Jeez, it'd be beautiful. I love it. Would. But and Brentford, like we said, you know they played exceedingly well this week, and we could see it happen for him again. Thomas Frank, great guy, great manager. Um, I hope he can do well and continue, hopefully, to get uh, in a European place. Conference League, Europa League, Champions League, I don't care. I want to see him in Europe. Can you imagine that, Brentford in the Europa League? I'd love to see it. I also think they have the dub against Fulham this weekend. Uh, They're not one of our picks, so it's cool to talk about it. Um, I just think with two weeks to watch their play, Fulham's play, I definitely think that Brentford has it, and especially since Fulham is just a high-press team. I think Brentford is going to break it easily and, and tear them apart. Yeah, I do think Brentford are the better counterattacking team than Fulham are of the high press team. So, yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Ben Mee is too strong at the back, man. I mean, my cousin is way too strong. Ben, if you're listening, hook your cousin up, bud. <laughs> Let's get out to Brentford sometime. Dude, I would love to get a Brentford jersey of Ben Mee. I'm going for an Ivan Tony one. Ivan Tony, I love it. I love it. You know what, dude? If Brentford finishing a Europa League place this year, we'll get jerseys. I'm in 100%. You heard it love here it. first. Yes, sir. All right. All right. So let's get into our uh, picks of the week. And I believe that since I started last week, you have to start this week, big guy. Correct. First game we're looking at is Leeds and Chelsea. So Leeds, uh, not looking as bad as last year, but um, still not doing great. I mean, they've tied and lost, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So they're not, not doing fantastic, but I mean, Macy, you're at two L's, and I'm at two du- or two uh, two ties. So not many people are speaking too well. Uh, I still have Chelsea beating them 2 nothing, just because I think Chelsea have it figured out a little bit more than Leeds do. Uh, and Leeds just aren't good defensively. 
They, they weren't last season. I don't think they'll be that good this season. Luke Ayling is literally the only guy that they have back there. Dude is old as crap, too. Seriously. He's so old. So, while I completely agree with you that Chelsea, I think, are going to win, um, they still lack that goal scorer, that, that you know, the guy that just – once they're once a the team is down, step on their necks, just finish it off. They don't have that, so I think Leeds are just gonna kind of hang around. You know, Brendan Aronson may come on, steal a goal. Love that. Um, so I'm gonna go with a two to one win for Chelsea rather than two zero compared to you. I could see that, but I, I just think Koulibaly is too good back there uh, individually to let up a lead striker to score like. I think a Chelsea player has to make a very big individual mistake for Leeds to to score a goal, and I just don't think Koulibaly or whoever else they're going to have back there is going to make that mistake. You know, Reese James was playing center back last week, so maybe you know that right back to center back position could really like mess with your head. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on, Mace, to the favorite game this weekend: Liverpool and Man U. Um, mm. I'm going a generous. 3 nothing on Liverpool. Um, <laughs> I really don't think, man, you are going to get it figured out by next week. I sort of hope they do. Uh, but Liverpool needs somebody to just sort of stomp on and get going for this season. And Mason, I'm sorry. Uh, I think it might be you. You know, you're, you're probably not wrong. Um, I had a score here, but I'm going to change it looking at it now. Because I have, first of all, one wild action card to play. <laughs> And secondly, I think Man U are going to come out and score first in this contest. And once that happens, Liverpool are just going to steamroll them. <laughs> he, he said Man U's going to score, and then Liverpool says, all right, we're, we're done messing around. Now. But I think they're going to steamroll in terms of play rather than goals. Okay. So there's, there's a difference there. So I'm predicting a 2-1 to one win for Liverpool with – my action being that there will be six new players in their starting 11 compared to the Brentford game. Six. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. That's so many players. And that includes De Gea, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It does not include, it does De, Gea. Not Here, include I'll, De Gea. I'll get, I'll get my predicted 11. So if this is right, you know, um, I'm going to the lottery. Um, so just- I have De Gea. I have De Gea in goal. I have Aaron Wambasaka right back, you know, just to defend against Mo Salah defend against uh, Luis Diaz um, strictly for purposes. You got Big H back there because you got no one else uh, with Rafael Varane. And I think um, Tyler Malasia is going to get the start over Luke Shaw just because based on Luke Shaw's performance last week, it was not great. No, um, it was really not great. No, in the midfield, I think it's time to roll with uh, Donny Van de Beek. Please. Please go with Donnie Van de Beek with Scott McTominay and Bruno Fernandez. I think Van de Beek is really going to shine that Liverpool midfield. Um, and then I, up top, I have Anthony Alanga starting for Rashford and then CR7 and Sancho. Now picture this. Picture this, Chase, will you? I'm ready. Anthony Alanga, the runner that he is, the you know the guy who just goes all out every single time on that left side is going up against Trent Alexander-Arnold the entire game. It's the 65th minute. On comes Marcus Rashford. I could see it. And does Rashford get the goal? Probably not, but we can hope. 
we can definitely hope that he we scores. We can definitely hope, but he can get in behind. He'll, he can cause all sorts of fits for that Liverpool defense, especially in the 65th minute on. I just don't think that's going to happen, man. I just don't think Man U has enough uh, organization, I would say, in their top midfield and, and strikers. I just don't think they have enough organ- organization to get behind Liverpool. I mean, it, it takes all it takes is to have a couple guys in the right spot and to break out uh, of a counterattack, and you have Liverpool beat. I mean, you can have them 3v1 and, and going to goal if you play your cards right, uh, and – I don't think Man U's going to do that. I just I don't think that they're playing well enough to get into those positions. Fulham played well enough to get into those positions. Um, do I say Crystal Palace did? Yes. I mean, their first goal came exactly in one of those situations. It went two to one, like two versus one, uh, and Allison. It, it can happen. I just don't think Man U's the team that's going to do it. But at least at least other teams have laid out the blueprint to beat Liverpool or have the ability to beat Liverpool, which is nice. That is very nice, uh, but I think Brentford has paved the way very well for Liverpool. Yeah, you're you're not wrong there, but all right, you ready, you ready to go to the next one and stop talking about how Man U's going to lose? Yeah, I guess. All right, beautiful. Uh, <laughs> next one is, is Crystal Palace and Austin Villa. Uh, Crystal Palace, I thought played fantastic against Liverpool, and I want to see him win. So I have Crystal Palace two and Austin Villa one. Even though I'm a huge Stevie G guy. Uh, I think Crystal Palace played way too well this past weekend not to have a win in their win column yet. Uh, so I, I have them taking their first dub this weekend. You know, I, 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 I swear, I think you're just stealing my answers at this point. Hey, this is the only one that we have the same, so it's all good. That's true. So I'm having a Crystal Palace win as well, but one to zero. Interesting. Because um, Aston Villa have not really shown their best selves lately. No, but they did score two against Everton, which makes me think that they can pull out a goal against Crystal Palace. We'll see, though, because Patrick Vieira is a little more organized than Frank Lampard is. Man, you could say that again. (laughs) I'm just going to keep this Frank Lampard slander going, man. It's going to roll all season until that man gets sacked. Well, that actually leads me into my underdog upset pick, which is going to be Nottingham Force to Everton zero. See, I didn't even know if that counted as an underdog. I would even put Nottingham Forest above Everton at this point. I would too, but for now, in terms of notoriety, I'm going Everton's higher. Fair enough. Uh, my upset is Brighton beating West Ham one nothing. Love that pick. Yeah, seriously. I mean, Brighton tied this past weekend, but it's against Newcastle, which Newcastle is a good team. Uh, very strong defensively with Mr. Shelby back there. Absolutely. Captain Fantastic. Yeah, and West Ham has not been playing well. Not at all. And Forrest did get literally the luckiest goal that you'll ever see. Uh, but I think Brighton can definitely squeeze one in there, especially since West Ham didn't do well with the Forrest high press. Uh, Brighton is even better at the high press. So I think West Ham is just going to take another L. Sorry, Jakey. <laughs> yeah, RIP Jakey B. When he gets on, we're going to get so much talk about, why did you pick against West Ham? It makes no sense. It had to be done. Had to be done. And, hey, you know what? If you're right, like, screw him. He's I'll just be winning for two, or at this point, it'll be three straight weeks. Three straight weeks, that's right. But, hey, I still got my other pick, too, which is my lock, and that is going to be Tottenham Hotspur 3, Wolves 1. Wow. Tottenham has played really well outside of the Chelsea game. 
And that bench against the Wolves team that have not looked like their best selves, they only scored one goal in the last two games. They could not score against Fulham. Now you're playing against Tottenham. You have a point. (laughs) You have a very good point. Good luck. Um, Yeah, Tottenham's playing really well. And we talked about it. They're going to be even better throughout this year. Absolutely. They got that deep bench. Imagine, you know, 65th minute and taking off Kulusevsky, bring on Ivan Perisic. It's, that's unreal. Just saying those two names in the same sentence is unreal. It's, it's They're going to be good. They're going to be so good. Uh, another I, team that's going to be really good is in my lock pick, and that is Arsenal versus Bournemouth. I went Arsenal with also a 3 nothing dub. Uh, I don't think they're going to thrash them as hard as Man City did, but Arsenal has definitely thrashed some teams already. Uh, they're they're definitely just going to take Bournemouth in stride. And then I didn't say my action yet. Uh, my action is that Mo Salah scores two goals, bringing it back to last season when, uh, actually two seasons ago, when Alice Becker bombed one down the entire field for an assist with Mo Salah, and that was Mo Salah's second goal of the season or second We're goal not of the talk game. About that. Allison runs the entire field. We're not going to talk about that. To celebrate with Mo Salah, Mason. How great of a moment was that? We're we're not going to talk about that. We're we're done talking about that. We're done. <laughs> he says that's the end of the episode. <laughs> R.I.P. Everybody else. Uh, but you know what? Arsenal versus Bournemouth. That's a very interesting game to me. And <sighs> Bournemouth hasn't scored a goal, man. They're going. They're going to get clapped. You say these things, but remember, it's Arsenal. I know, but I haven't seen Arsenal waver yet. They they dropped a couple. I guess they like didn't pay attention for maybe twenty minutes against Leicester. Other than that, they've completed every game that they've played, and they have done it very well. It's a very intriguing game to me. That's all I'm gonna say. Like that could be the game that Arsenal look like. Oh, it's Bournemouth. We're going to steamroll. And Bournemouth could come out with a wild game plan, completely confuse Arsenal. And you know what Arsenal does when they get down? They just die. They just roll over and die. They perish. So I don't know, man. Very, very intriguing game. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the Premier League. Um, I do want to say that uh, – with a fourth economic lever from Barcelona. Barcelona were officially able to assign every single player. They were able to register them except for Jules Koundé. That's absolutely crazy. I still can't believe they actually got it done. The night before, they played Rayo Vallecano. And guess what happened? They didn't win. <laughs> Sergio Busquets got a red card. Frankie de Jong played like an absolute beast. Frankie still didn't did win. not. He needs to be somewhere else. I, Not Man United, but somewhere else. I can't believe that he's still at that club forever. All that's been going on with that. He's still owed so much money. And I don't understand why they. he's just not saying, like, screw you, pay me. It's so much. Like, if it was maybe you missed two weeks' pay because your your revenue sales are down, That it is what it is. You're missing, what was it, like 13 million pounds? It was like thirteen and seventeen million. Yeah, yeah, like that's so much. You're missing an entire year or like an entire six months of pay. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Absolutely, Frankie. I know you're listening. So uh, get out of there, bud. Yeah, don't go to Man U, but go somewhere else. 
Hey, we need an attacking mid over at Liverpool. We uh, <laughs> have a spot for you. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure Klopp would love that. I'm sure he would, man. <laughs> All right, guys, be sure to tune in next time. We'll be sure to go over these games. Hopefully, I won't be too down in the dumps after Man U goes 0-3. But, hey, we'll see you guys next time. Thank <laughs> you.